Lil Wayne, I heard come out of his mouth in an interview that racism doesn't exist. Being famous early for a black person is crippling. It cripples you. Right. My brother, you're going to jail for the second time. The first time you mm -hmm. went to prison, you, you went for a gun that wasn't even on you. That's racism, Lil Wayne. The message, spotlighting the most important voices of today with Ebro, an open dialogue about their experiences in these times and the music that inspires them. What's going on? This is Ebro Darden. Hi, hello. And this is The Message. On today's episode, throwing it back to 2021, Detroit's own Royce the 5'9 came through to talk about his message of accountability. We're going deep on that today. Talk about therapy, family trauma, and what it means to be an artist and rappers that turned a blind eye to this country's racism. Let's get into it right now. This is The Message. The message right now, that's Royce the 5'9", yes, who yes. Uh, is a minimum of shit at this point, 20-something years in the game, almost, approaching 20. Mm, yeah, close to 20, close to 20, if you want to count some of those years, but I'm here. Well, I mean, you was, I count them because rapping was how you was, you know, paying your bills and taking care of your family, whether you was, you know, uh, going through tough times or going through good times. That's fair. You're a professional rapper. I'm a practitioner. I'm not just a okay, rapper. I like I'm a, that. I'm a, I'm a practitioner. You know, like if it, if this was college, yeah. I'm not like I'm not a student. I'm a scholar. I'm different. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? I like that. Yeah. Well, um, and this year uh, you've uh, gotten some new accolades. You know, on the on the uh, on the belt there, right? That how's that Grammy look feel? It feel cool. Feels cool. Um, I'm not gonna lie, man. I'm a little bit embarrassed because I'm like one of those guys that was always like, fuck the Grammys. And I'm totally like, right. I'm, I'm fucking with the Grammys this year. You know what I mean? <laughs> That's they, cool, they my niggas. Man. They my niggas. So I, <laughs> and then too, man, like it, 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 it's an opportunity to kind of like put some things into perspective. Like when I see other artists complain about being snubbed, right? I look at it and go, oh, that's how I was looking. I was looking like that. All right, so I'm right. gonna make sure I don't do that no more because you don't want to come off like you're not, you know, happy for somebody else. You know what I mean? Especially if you got right. the bullhorn all year, if you got the floor all year. In this year where you have a Grammy nomination and you have been in the game for a while, uh, you also this time approached making an album, the allegory, different than you approached other albums in that you produced a lot of it, like sat down learned the equipment, made the music, you know, you crafted this body of work, you cooked this up differently, I think, than you have in the past. Um, I'm sure that feels very different too, to get acknowledged. It feels very, it feels very different. And I, and I must correct you there, my brother, I produced the whole thing from top to bottom. There you go, top talk to your shit, my bad. But you know, I, I, got, I got OCD, man. So it's like, I got all of these great producers and beat makers around me. Showing me things, but I wouldn't let them. I wouldn't let them do the work for me. I wouldn't let them do the heavy uh -huh. lifting. I needed to do it myself, no matter how long it took. You know, so it was it was a task. It was very very tough. And then like just the whole process of learning how to make beats. You know how they say put in your ten thousand hours. I put them motherfuckers mm. in. I put them in quick. Like I was in here, no sleeping, just whack beat after whack beat after whack beat after where I was torturing myself. So. Mm. I needed for something to come out of it 
differently than what I would normally get because I was putting something into it that I'd never put into it before. So I want to play uh, one of the songs off your playlist, Tricked. Mm. Um, I think, you know, which is also on the allegory, you know, there's a lot of ways in which, uh, whether it's the way we approach this music industry, uh, the way that we approach, I'm sure, the way you approached rap or you thought you should approach rap, rapping and creating and being a part of this culture. Um, in this song, you guys talk about the many ways that we've all been tricked and, you know, the food we eat, the things we believe, mm -hmm. you know, um, and we come to these new realizations uh, through continuing to be students of the game. Uh, or the, continuing to be students of life, mm -hmm. uh, continuing to be students of spirituality, uh, and continuing to leave our minds and our hearts open to learn and, mm -hmm. and to become better. And I think that's something, the reason I wanted to sit down with you today um, is because I don't know if you see that as a message, but what I've seen from you as a human being over the years, right, from even com coming back together with Marshall, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? And ironing shit out and putting out an album and having success with you guys as a duo. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? To then doing the Slaughterhouse shit and being a part of that and helping some other brothers come together as part of being a super group mm -hmm. and still giving back to hip hop. Then, you know, doing Prime and, you know, and now you're here. Like, you didn't give up on, on your... I knew, you, I knew you knew, believed in yourself as a rapper, but there were times, and I'm sure you, and you've talked about this, of whether or not you believed in yourself as, as a human, as, as being able to come to where you are now. That's mm -hmm. why I wanted to talk to you today, because I feel like you have uh, willed this into yeah. fruition. Yeah, man, it's... it's um, I'm glad to talk about this type of thing, too, man, because it's... There's something to be said about artists in the public eye, especially in hip hop, that that evolves before your eyes. Like, you know, like they're they're very used to seeing us being stuck in one spot for a long time in my life. I was just stuck in one spot. I was in my own way, you know, like just kind of mm. complaining about things and not being able to find a way to hold myself accountable and um, identify with what what I'm doing that that can add to the problem. And um, as soon as I got sober, as soon as I got sober, which was eight years ago when I started going to therapy and I started just speaking to somebody and I started learning how to unpack some of the, some of the traumas and some of the things that were kind of like plaguing me that I was carrying, um, everything just opened up like that. You know, like everything, mm -hmm. everything. So the first lesson I learned was if you, if you work on self, like if you work on knowledge of self and just self-improvement daily, like tomorrow better than yesterday, like if everything is with a purpose, then everything should get better. You know what I mean? You know how, you know how they repeat, they repeat the anecdotal things in, in, in hip hop. It's like, pay attention to the climate. You got to see what niggas is listening to. I disagree with that. I feel like pay attention mm -hmm. to you. Pay attention to you. Get better. And then you'll be a better father, you'll be a better artist, you'll be a better everything. Your quality of life will, 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 will increase and you'll be in your finest form. 
You know what I mean? Like it's nothing, mm-hmm. nothing like an angry young motherfucker and then a happy, evolved old motherfucker with a whole bunch of wisdom. You know what I mean? So the only, the only next, the only next goal is to share that wisdom with the next generation coming up. So all the mistakes that I made wasn't in vain. You know what I mean? Like it was, it was right. so I can apply it to the next generation and um, just play, play my part in just greatness and realizing that it's not just about me. You know what I mean? Do you feel looking back at that other person, what was the thing that made you believe that you should be angry at someone other than yourself? Or was it literally like just not knowing how to objectively look at the world and, 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 and manifest what you needed? Yeah, I think I, 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 got, I got faced with some tough decisions early. So... Mm. Um, I think all of us black men, when we hit around 17, 18, we start getting in the zone where now we're trying to find ourselves. We're trying to find our place in the world. Well, Marshall snatched me up and threw me right into the record business before I knew how to do anything, before I knew how to make albums. All I knew how to do was rap at the open mics really good. You know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I had no idea that it took way more than just that to be able to turn that corner. So here I am trying to find myself. And then I'm also trying to identify with who I am as an artist, which is extremely important because until you get to that point, then you can't even answer the the simple questions like, who do you work for? Do you work for the people? Mm -hmm. Are you an employee of the people? Are you, um, because me personally, I just put paint on the canvas and hang the shit up. You can come in and look at it or you don't have to come in and look at it. I'm okay with that. You know what I mean? Like. Right. I'm not here to get I'm not here to be famous. I have no good experiences associated with being famous. You know what I mean? But right. I do, however, have a whole lot of good experiences and memories associated with expressing and evolving and learning myself through the art. You know what I'm saying? So having something to say and making music with a purpose, it never not worked. From prime from the first prime all the way to now, all of them worked. And it wasn't because of marketing or something that was contrived in the, in the boardroom. It was just something that I wasn't chasing. You know what I mean? Like it, it was something that I wasn't saying, please listen to, please listen to this. You know what I mean? Like right. it's more like a thing where I'm just kind of letting it come to me. And Book Orion, you know, like that's, that's my self-defining album. So it's like there's no, you can't tell me that, that it's not right. You can't, t- you can't give me my story back. <laughs> like I right. give you my story. You know what I mean? Like, right. You either relate to it or you don't, but it's just something you got to kind of like get off your chest as an artist. You got every artist got to have that one, that one self-defining, mm-hmm. and then from there you can do many things. You know, you can you can express in many ways. You know what I mean? So, I think um, I think back then um, that confusion, the, the the fear of the unknown, and um, starting to drink. It started out fun, and then it got to a point where I was drinking and getting angry. But Mm. when I got to the point in my career where me and Marshall fell out, and I started to really, really um, learn some valuable lessons really quick when you detach yourself from something so powerful. And you know what I'm saying? Like, I was like, whoa, I thought... They love me for me. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. it, it was a it was a it was a tough pill to swallow knowing that it was time for me to reinvent and stand on my own and um basically start from scratch. You know what I mean? So it was like when you do that to a young artist, 
it's very easy for me to go, oh, he did this to me. He did that to me. Oh, man, he did that. He did this. You know what I mean? This person hating. This per- they not showing love. Why they not supporting me in my own city? Why they not? You know what I mean? Like, so it was just like, um, I was thinking like that and, and talking like that, but in the same token, I wanted to go confront everybody that has something to say about me. You know what I mean? Like, I, I was meeting force with force. You know what I mean? Bad decisions mm-hmm. on top of bad decisions. Hurt people doing hurt shit. You know what I'm saying? So- I don't know when when the shit transpired, but one day, man, I just was like, you know what? I'm gonna try. I'm gonna try giving love. I'm gonna try mm. supporting supporting other rappers. And then it was just like the dark cloud just went away. I start supporting. I start showing love. They start supporting me back. They start showing love. Then I start realizing, damn, they never people never wanted to hate me at all. You know what I mean? So I was getting a lot of like. Damn, man, I didn't know you was this cool. I thought you was a dickhead, right. man. You know what I'm saying? Right. right. So it, it, it's just, it's, I'm a testament to you can be wearing that dark cloud, man, and not even know it. You know what I mean? Like, and when you're wearing it, you're attracting. You're attracting all the bullshit. All the bullshit. Mm. And it's like, man, it's, it's, it's unfair to what you're here to do. You know what I mean? Like, you're not giving yourself a, a full, fair shot by inviting in energies that are a distraction. You know what I'm saying? Like, excuse my language, white people, but white people, their their children are extremely confident and extremely entitled. Extremely mm-hmm. entitled, extremely entitled. Right. Like they, they think shit should be a certain way. You know what I mean? Like, and I just don't like, I don't like- They how, don't even think it. They don't, they don't even, even think, think it. it. Yeah, I don't like how our kids are just kind of like afraid to make every little mistake. Afraid to make every right. to take every step, you know what I mean. So it's just like, man, I know where that comes from, you know what I mean? Because it was like I was the, I was the same way. I was being made to feel like this is my last opportunity. I better get it right. And a lot of times, no communication. Just you know, like if I do something wrong and I don't pass somebody's test, so much for that relationship, you know what I mean? And people basically stop communicating with you based off of if if it's if it's worth it to. If I need to keep that relationship, if he's of value to me, then I won't cut him off. You know what I mean? Like, so I, mm-hmm. I quickly started to learn that that's just how the business is. I'm taking shit personal, you know, asking people to get on shit, sending people shit. They don't do it. Fuck them. I'm dissing them. You know what I mean? Like, I was taking everything personal, just being a cancer, just being emotional. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? I was mad at Crook. I was mad at Crooked Eye. <laughs> I was extremely mad at Joe because he started some shit with me. Yeah. You know, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, like, that's true. So it was like I was anti-everything. And then it was just like Slaughterhouse. And then and then back with Marshall. And then Prime. It was like all of these collaborative things. All of these collaborative things just showed me the value in keeping an open mind and collaborating. And just being around them niggas like Crook and Joel and Joe and all them, I realized I realized that I wasn't as good as I thought I was. And every MC got to come to that point. You know what I'm saying? Because if if it's just you in the studio, you're going to think you guys gift to the world. But you invite Elzai over, he drag you to the deep waters. <laughs> that's reality. <laughs> it feels like right there, you know, the message is a bit of a self-realization. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, and and the, and the slogan I got out of what you just said is, you know, stop wearing that dark cloud because, mm-hmm. you know, it won't yeah. stop raining on your ass. <laughs> allow your blessings. You allow, your, allow your blessings to come in. Allow your blessings to come in. Yeah. You, know, you don't got to bear the brunt of everything, but some, some accountability and some of that shit is just about letting go. 
you know, letting go, unpacking right. it, identifying with it, and moving on. Royce, you you uh you you mentioned the burden of being black, and you know uh, a lot of it comes through our social programming, you know, based on generations of uh, being reminded that you can't have shit because you're black, mm-hmm. uh, being reminded that your life is in danger because you're black, um, being reminded that your kids won't get the same opportunities as other kids because mm-hmm. they're black. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and 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 everything that is in between there. But also, and I'm saying that to bring us to a piece of wearing the cloud. How much of your, as a black man, your self-realization, your blocking of your blessings and pivoting and focusing on self can also be applied to things that we do in the black family and the black community and black business and black, you know, and the things that we need to do for ourselves so that uh, we can manage our own wealth mm-hmm. and, 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 and manage our own value as a community, a self-sustaining community. And that can be either applied to... Uh, the specific meaning of a community, like the locality mm. in which mm. individuals live next door to one another, or the greater, you know, black diaspora of the planet Earth in which mm. we know we are all interconnected in many ways? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, well, therapy for me taught me to self-reflect, taught me to identify with with things that could be fixed, and then, you know, automatically you start to apply it to um, regular everyday life, fatherhood, everything. So with me, what I started to do was I started to like point out the things and identify with the things that I felt like my dad did that I could I could do without, you know what I mean? So um, I just went and nitpicked all of his greatest qualities and I took them and I hold, held on to them and I adopted that shit, like my ideology, and I left all the negative shit, you know what I mean? So I don't, like, mm-hmm. I don't hit my kids. I don't, I rarely yell at my kids. Well, I got mostly girls, so they yell at me. But um, I don't hit my <laughs> kids. I don't, do, I don't do anything like that. So um, it's really just like kind of like identifying those cycles, well, curses, we call them, and then just breaking, breaking the generational curses. You know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. and, and understanding that we're, we're strapped for information. Like, we have an information disconnect. That's the problem. It's mm-hmm. an information thing. Mm-hmm. So to be blessed, to be able to kind of like sneak out of the element and get into a position where you get to see the world for what it really is, just a, just a level above, you know, like social engineering and programming. And you get to see mm-hmm. some of these companies for what they really are. And you get to see who's mm-hmm. sitting in those major, those executive seats. And you get to see, you know, those, those, those points, those points of non-inclusion. And then you, you get to right. see, you know, like you get to look at the communities for what, what they are, you know, like subjugated areas that we've been marginalized to. You know, then you start to realize all of the ways in which we're behind the eight ball. You know what I mean? So it really just makes you want to go fix those things. So... Um, the first thing that stuck out to me when I started looking at it was the stigma associated with therapy in our communities, you know, especially measuring it against all other communities and groups of people, how, you know, therapy is just shit. This is just an amenity. It's an amenity. It's something that's, you know, like 
it's given to you, it's, it's like a gift. But for us, hell no. Not only is it not given to us and it's not offered to us, but we don't want it. We can't we reject, it. We, we reject it. We reject it. You know what I mean? And um, mm-hmm. I just I just don't think that you're giving yourself a, a shot in life at all if you're not able to place anything, anything into perspective. Like my big brother, my big brother stabbed somebody at the at the park when we were kids because he was being overprotective of me. And he went to prison. Mm-hmm. He went to prison and was in and out of prison for the next 20 years. He never got an opportunity to even think. You know what I mean? Like right. one minute it was this, one minute it was that. And then like that overprotective shit, I attribute that to how abusive my dad used to be. You know what I mean? Like that's him dealing with his trauma. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So it becomes him being overprotective of me. And if I can say, I beat the shit out of this dude. So I didn't need his help. Right. And he just came right. and just over emotionally did that. You know what I mean? And it's just like, it's almost, it's not fair. It's not fair because right. there's no judge that you could tell that to. It's no, you can't explain that. You know what I mean? America is cut and dry. You broke the law, you go to jail, you go to prison, and actually we built this for you. Now get in there. You know what I mean? Right. So Because um, we're not giving you the other tools to deal with your emotional trauma. Exactly. Before it explodes, exactly. runs over, and puts you in to a precarious situation. So we're planning for you to explode. We're planning for you to, you know, be so inundated and under-equipped to deal with the shit we put you in mm-hmm. that we got a cage for your ass as soon as you trip and fall. Yep. Because little, little JoJo from Seven Mile is looking at his TV screen and he's thinking that his $2 that he got in his pocket is somehow less valuable than Jay-Z's $2 because he's inside that TV screen and that place that most people don't get to that far away a way ass place. That's why it's extremely important for any of us that become any sort of successful to be extremely honest. You know what I mean? Like we can't afford to say shit like racism doesn't exist or everybody has the same shot. No, the fuck we don't. Don't ever say that. That's right. That's, a, that's like right. a pet peeve of mine. You know what I mean? Because I normalize everything. I thought I wasn't, I thought I wasn't capable of college. I thought I wasn't college material until I, I talked to a psychologist and we started to talk about um, the possibility of the fucking institution failing you as opposed to you failing the institution. Right. Come to find out all of the daydreaming and shit that I was doing and all of that, that's common amongst artists. Somebody was supposed to see that and put me in some sort of performing art school or something like that. And she said, uh, producers, like video games and it was just like we just had a we just had a deep conversation but um just the way that I approached school in general it was just like man maybe this shit ain't for me you know cuz I wasn't going all of the time to fuck up sometimes right. I wanted to do good cuz I wanted to be <laughs> eligible for basketball you know what right. I mean so I would just be like class would start and then snap of a finger boom bell ringing just go by just like that I just I can daydream an entire class if it's the wrong teacher. And right. t- nine times out of 10, it was the wrong teacher. You talked about uh, childhood. Mm-hmm. Um, and so we got to play that Bob Lowe boat. Of course. You know, you and J. Cole. Um, mm-hmm. You know, me, I, I you know, don't, didn't know nothing about the Bob Lowe boat. So this, like, it, when it came out, I was like, what? Wait, what? And I actually, 
This song taught, I, I never even heard of it before, bro. Mm -hmm. Like, until this song. Uh, so tell us about what this means to your childhood um, and what this meant to many children and many black families in the Detroit area. Yeah, Bablo, Bablo Island was like, um, that was the poor family's idea of vacation. You know, so we, we, we drive downtown, we get on a boat, and it's two separate experiences. It's the ferry ride over, that's one experience, and then the actual island where all the roller coasters and shit is at. It was a bunch of cheap roller coasters, wood and shit, but it was amazing to us. You know what I mean? Like, we were young. <laughs> yeah. We were young, and I was telling myself when I did that album, because I did a whole dark album before, a lot of times when I'm talking, when I'm speaking about something personal or I'm speaking about my personal experiences, sometimes it can come across as like dark or sad. You know what I mean? So I wanted to have not upbeat, but brighter sounding songs about my good experiences along with the bad shit, because it wasn't all bad. You know what I mean? Like, my dad wasn't all bad. My mom, their relationship wasn't all bad. It's just that when it was bad, it was fucked up. You know what I mean? And it's all relative. It's all relative. So I, I just I just wanted to figure out a way to balance all that out. But but Bablo, it was like a whole day thing. So we wake up early in the morning, and we not home until after midnight. Actually, we came home from going to Bablo, and the neighbors the neighbor's kid had broke into our house, <laughs> stole food, and took it back to their house. Mm. I remember one time my mom sent me to their house to get something and they let me in and I went in and I seen shit on the table from our house. Wow. As if we not as poor as each other. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. It's fucked up. But that, but that, yeah, it was like the bittersweet type of thing. You know what I mean? Like a long day. Everybody got along. My mom and dad didn't argue. Nobody, my dad didn't cuss nobody out. He ain't hit nobody. We laughed. You know what I'm saying? Like we agreed on things. We did a whole lot of talking on the drive downtown. You know what I'm saying? Um, I met some girls on a boat. You know what I mean? Got a number. I got a chance to wear my outfit. Yeah, got a number. <laughs> it was just cool, man. It was just cool. Cool. And it's just like... Those memories, man, never leave me. Never leave me. You know what I mean? Like, and that's the most important shit to me, like just to create memories. Cause it's like, I don't even remember the outfit, but I remember the experience. You know what I'm saying? Right. Oh, uh, this is the message. Um, courtesy of Royce to Five Nine today. He's got a whole playlist in Apple Music uh he put together for this conversation. You know, one of the things I'm 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 learning uh from you uh hearing this conversation today. Um, is, you know, how important, you know, valuing your own memories and valuing yourself mm -hmm. and valuing learning yourself. Because mm -hmm. you said this book, Orion, this was, this was that, this was a very, you know, important album to you. Mm -hmm. Fuck everybody else. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I made this album for me. And this was the this is the album that sets you on the path of where you are now with the allegory and the Grammy nomination and producing your own album and it sets you free. It set me free. It set me free. Yeah. When they say the truth shall set you free, they never lied. You know? 
And it's nothing like it's nothing like being able to express express your truth in an unapologetic, fearless way. You know what I mean? Because it's so we it's so many different fears and so many different things put into our brains as younger artists. You know, like numbers and all of this shit that you you grow to find find out that they really don't have much to do with anything. You know what I'm saying? Like it's really about is this shit important or not? You just did something. You just made something. Ten years from now, is it important or not? Nobody's going to talk about where it landed on the charts. Nobody's going to talk about the first week number. Nobody's going to talk about the bag you made off of it, the chain you had on in the video. Does it matter ten years from now? You know what I mean? Can, can somebody play it and it either takes them somewhere or it does something for them that's valuable to them? You know what I mean? Because music can be, it can serve as many things. You know what I mean? So it's just like, I just feel like we just get taught to think so short-sighted. You know, everything is just about, it's almost like it's a numbers race to the top with, with each other. Mm -hmm. And we're not competing with each other at all. Like, not even close. We're not in competition with, with one another. If anything, if we were all in solidarity, the machine would more Compliment. so be, yeah, the machine would more so be the opposition, you know? Mm -hmm. The machine, the machine doesn't make any any decisions in your to your benefit. You know, like the less you know, the more they benefit. You know, like and that mm -hmm. and that's fine as long as you're aware of that. You know what I'm saying? So it's like we don't pass along that information to each other because we're so busy trying to one up the other. You know what I mean? So we just we just went through, I mean, shit, being you, Ebro, we've been around shit for 20 years. We just watched and witnessed a whirlwind of things that hasn't been represented properly from fucking bad, from the, from the reign of bad boy records, from cash money records, uh, death row records, Rockefeller records. None of those runs were represented properly to me. Right. They weren't. They weren't. With the, of their significance in music yeah. and their significance yeah. in commerce. Hell and their yeah. significance in culture and their significance in, you know, wealth building. Cash money in general, man, they, like they signed their deal in, in 1997. So from then to now, they've walked billions of dollars into the Universal building. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You can't tell me that you feel like Universal has been protecting Lil Wayne. Lil Wayne, I heard come out of his mouth in an interview that racism doesn't exist. Just look at my shows. Look at my shows. You see white people, you see black people. Like being famous early for a black person is crippling. It cripples you. Right. It cripples you. You're incapable of seeing things for what they are. My brother, you're going to jail for the second time. The first time you mm -hmm. went to prison, you, you went for a gun that wasn't even on you. It was on your bus. Right. That's racism, Lil Wayne. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. if, you, if you're in bed with Universal and they're not protecting you, it's because they see some sort of upside in allowing y'all to look like that. Like, y'all can't pay y'all bills, everybody high, everybody, you know, and it fucks with somebody's legacy. That's racism, hip-hop. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you look at, like, the hip-hop and, 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 like, our culture and the, how much of the market share we make up, and then you measure that against how many black people are in those executive chairs, that's racism. Period. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and in layman's terms, what Royce is saying is because they're making money with you and more money off you and they don't give a fuck about you, 
and you're bringing them black culture and they still don't give a fuck about you. They just want to monetize it and move on. You're just product on a shelf. That's the racist component. Mm-hmm. It's because what you can give them has so much value. But what they give you in return, they don't give a shit about. They don't care fuck all about you. It's super valuable. It's super valuable to them to undervalue you. Yes. Because God forbid if everybody start acting like fucking Jay-Z, you know? Like if we all start realizing our value as a collective and we all started standing in solidarity with things, you know, the way that they presented streaming to us is is like, it's a straight up scam. It's like nobody, mm-hmm. nobody negotiated that shit. They just said, here, no. this is streaming. We're in bed with the major labels. You guys didn't know we were speaking. And this is how much we're going to pay you for each stream. That's and it. we're going yep. we're gonna to base that off some number that don't even mean nothing. We don't even know how much this That's shit right. is generating. That's right. That's you know, right. So, so it's like the fact that everybody's music is not just strictly on title, it's only because we don't know our value. That's right. That's right. And it wouldn't right. be so bad if Spotify wasn't acting like they was fucking, you know, like they, they act like King Kong. You know what I'm saying? Like, you see how they treat Spotify Joe. Spotify's disrespectful. Yeah, you see Spot- how they treat Joe. Like, been- get the fuck out of here, Spotify. You know what I'm saying? Like, if, if, if all the artists decided we're going to come together and take all our shit off that platform, get the fuck out of here, man. Drake could bankrupt yeah, Universal, man. Drake, Drake can go, Drake can bankrupt Universal, my nigga. He could. He could. That's the reality of it. That's the reality. We don't speak like that enough. It's too much, you know, like, ooh, the machine. What machine? The bank? You know what I mean? It's the company. The yeah, it's the company just, with a pile of money. It's just yeah. the bank. Fuck out of here. It's, a ba- it's, it's banks with bad small business deals. Yeah, it's banks that, br- banks that don't know how to break records, build artists, or make records. But they don't care. They don't have to. Yeah. But you know, you still got the guys that work there who act like experts, you know what I mean? Because the climate is more about clout. It's more about clout and it's more about pretending like you know or making it seem like you know than it is doing actual research. Well, you know, the, the, the individuals that work mostly at record labels are experts, I'm using air quotes, in what that label needs to do to make money for that label and for them to get their bonus. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make them experts in culture. That doesn't make them experts in music making. That doesn't make them experts in any of that. It makes them, their interest is keeping their job, getting their bonus, getting you signed and making money. So that makes them, that, that makes them not in the culture. That, just, that, makes them bus- that makes them doing business. That's what they're doing. Mm. They're the same way you would walk into a Chase bank and say, I want a home loan, and they would put, all right, well, based on what you have and who you are, I can give you X amount of dollars at this percentage to do X, Y, and Z. Mm-hmm. And whatever happens after that is on you. Mm-hmm. They don't give a fuck about you because you're a, you know, a black home buyer. You know what I mean? It doesn't change nothing for them. They're going to get their numbers and go home and feed their families. Mm-hmm. And that's that. You know? This is true. This is true. Listen, uh, I want to get to Black Savage, not only because, you know, Black Savage plays into turning the the perception of the black man on its head. Mm-hmm. And Royce and, and others on the record uh, articulate, you know, the world is very fearful of the black man, but this song speaks to, 
you know, uh, what sh- what uh, should be celebrated mm-hmm. and what the black man has overcome uh, yep. in being, you know, shaped and stereotyped as a savage. Yeah, and, and we, I'm, we're exercising our right to take the English language and, and do what we feel like doing with it. You know, like mm-hmm. we're, taking, we're taking words and then we're redefining them. And that's, that's the power. That's, right. that's the power of our culture. We can do that if that's what we set out to do. So, you know, like we take savage and the negative connotation associated with it. We just wipe that, wipe that clean. And now a savage is a black man who's about his business, who is spreading information, who is helping build the culture, and who really realizes his true value. And in, in turn, he can elevate the value of his community. There's no higher you can be than that. You, there's no I, there's no pop stage you can stand on that's 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 greater than that. You're listening to the message. Royce the Five Nine has joined us today. His message playlist is available right now on Apple Music. Track after track of hip hop classics and of course some of his old greatest hits as well. Go look for that and make sure you subscribe to this podcast for more conversations just like this. The message with Royce the Five Nine. Uh, Royce, let's get into some of these classics you got on this The Message playlist because I feel like this playlist, part of your message was not only the uh, instant classics that you've personally made, but part of the message on this playlist was pay attention to some of this shit you may not know mm-hmm. uh, and that you need to learn about. Uh, I want to play self-destruction because earlier in the conversation we talked about self-realization. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, uh, this is what, 86, 87? Was self-destruction 87? That was the 80s? Holy shit. You are old. You had know? to be, had to be 87. Yeah, 87. Because, I mean, on the song, you had Just Ice. You had uh, Stetsasonic was in there prime. Just Ice, who was a real gangster. Real. So my question, my question I would pose is... Do the youngins really think that what they're doing now is um, so much different from what was going on back then? You know, like, do, do you think that, like, the way in which police are killing our children is any different from the way that they were killing our children when Ice-T made Cop Killer? Mm-hmm. This, same. by the way, this is 89. This is 1989. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same thing. So what, what, what must have been going on in hip-hop at that moment where they felt like they all needed to come together? and make a record together about peace. Mm-hmm. One, of the, one of the more poignant moments in the song, uh, Cool Modi says, uh, I never ever ran from the Ku Klux Klan and I shouldn't I have, to have to run, to run from, from a, a black, black man. Because that's self Selfish, exactly. And, so, and that's why I tie it into self-realization because this song, we were talking to each other. Mm-hmm. This wasn't about no one else. This wasn't even... You know, this wasn't about, this was about what we were doing to each other Mm. at that time. Mm -hmm. You know, it was a very, I remember, you know, this is, shit, I started radio in 1990. You know, so this was, this record was going around. You know, this was being played. And it was on, what what, what was the video channel they had back in the day? Video music box where you call in. The box. The box. The box. Yeah, Yeah, there you go. Uh, and they, this shit used to go around all the time. You know what's incredible about self-destruction too? Is that normally these kinds of records don't work. 
Mm. These kind of records generally don't work when you try to get all of those superstars together in one room to exist on one piece of art. Like, very rarely can you get it to where it just flows so seamless. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's crazy, man. I love that. I love that record. Love that record. And that Kumo D line is the best line on the, it's the best line on the song. <laughs> it's hard. It's hard. hard. Before we break, I want to play Nas, I Gave You Power. Mm -hmm. Why did you place this song on there? What's the importance of this record to you? To show that you can be inspired in many, in many different ways. Many different ways. When I heard I Gave You Power, now, mind you, I had heard Illmatic. I was gone off Illmatic. That's classic, classic album. Played the tape until the until the, the, the tape bus on the bottom of the cassette tape. Mm. So now here we are to It Was Written, where the whole, the whole climate was kind of like wondering, could Nas um, get past the sophomore drinks? And could he elevate it to the level that people thought that he could go commercially? Mm. So just watching him, watching him knock all those targets down like bowling pins, and then and then delve into the album and actually feel like that it's a better album than Illmatic. I don't know how popular that opinion is, but I feel like it's a better album than Illmatic. But I gave you power, made me want to write. It made me want to write stories. Like up until I heard that, up until I heard that story, I never even thought about the possibility or the idea of writing a story. I was like, wow, you could just create a story in your mind. And just rap it, you know what I mean. And it just opened up the door to all kinds of just ideas. Some of them may be biting Nas a little bit, you know. Some shit may be biting Red Man a little bit, but that's where it all starts. You know what I'm saying? And without without that, it's just raps. You know what I mean? So, I gave you power was a very important song in my development as an artist. You know what I mean? It it it. it it, I developed a layer that I ended up needing. You know what I mean? My, my, how well I could story tell, as much as I practiced until I got good at it, was something that I needed. Like, you needed to be able to tell stories as an MC in my, in my era coming up. And then the other layer to that in this conversation that we've been having today is a part of the message. You know, this song speaks to, you know, for me, the title and then how the song is put together. This idea of what power is, mm -hmm. you know, because he's talking about a gun. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? He's rapping from the perspective of this gun mm -hmm. that gave this person power. Without this gun, who are you really? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right? And I think that also speaks to the climate and the position we find ourselves in uh, as, a, as a greater nation right, where people really believe that they're tough guys, mm -hmm. like they have the only gun ever made, <laughs> you know right, what I'm saying? Right. Cats talk like just because they got one, nobody else got one, Right. you know what I mean? And or individuals that are so um, damaged and uh, insecure inside that they yield this gun on weaker individuals, right, and take advantage of. And what we perceive power to be, you know, at those right. age, at those ages, you know, like usually we associate it with dollar amount, wrong, mm -hmm. and then you know, like social currency, like social status. So I, I can you I can throw the gun in that category, 
You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. I, I'm a nigga who nobody gonna fuck with because I got my I got my heater on me. I can go up in any bar. Nobody better not say nothing or it's going down. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I've literally seen people talk jail onto themselves doing interviews. You know what I mean? Right. And it's just like that inability to 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 separate the streets from now you have a job. Now that life is behind you. It will at least as much of it as you can leave behind you. You know, like, but what, what's happening with us is we're bringing it all with us, you know? So now we're going, we're turning into these people who, like, we used to, our words used to just be a reflection of who we are. Now we're saying the words and we're trying to be the words now. We're saying the words and now we're trying to live up to the words. You know what I mean? And it's like, that's the beginning of the end right there. And it's not just a gun. It's liquor. It's alcohol. You know, I could, once I got to like a fifth, I was done with a fifth. Man, I'll fight Mike Tyson, man. You couldn't convince mm-hmm. me that I couldn't whoop Mike Tyson while I was drunk. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? It's dangerous, man. It's very dangerous. Yeah. There's a book that I don't know if you had a if you've heard of, but if you have heard of it, it's called Cast. Mm-hmm. Um, and I suggest great reading. Uh, it's written by a woman by the name of Isabel Wilkerson. Um, it talks about caste systems and it specifically studies the caste system of India the caste system of Nazi Germany, and the caste system of America. Mm. And how we've been thrust into these roles as humans, mostly based on complexion and culture and these other things, but we've been thrust into these roles. And it, and it really digs into and tries to unpack the idea of who has the power to say who has what power? Because that, that idea is when you're born into a world where because of your appearance, your height, your weight, your complexion, your mm. gender, your bank account size, where you grew up, your education, all of these things are now programmed and baked into the construct of society that try to tell you what your power is. Mm. Mm. And, they va- and, and then tries to you know, the society and the programming of it then tries to put a value system together. And that's the caste system. And where are you in that caste system? And some of those roles are, you know, uh, just defined on geographic shifts and where people live, mm-hmm. right? Where black, the Great Migration, for instance, and black folks moving up north to get factory jobs. And trying to, you know, put their kids through in better schools and buy homes and et cetera, et cetera, and break out of that Southern caste system and redefine themselves and what mm-hmm. pitfalls they ran into and social constructs that said, no, we see what you're trying to become, mm-hmm. but this caste system says you can only be this. Right. Right. You know? And so, you know, that that idea of what is power, who has the power to say who has power. And is that what the real battleground is? That's crazy that you say that, man, because it's like we go through that and then we go through that same thing again in the music business. Right. It's the exact, right. it's the exact same thing. Like even something like, like award shows. Like we collectively lend credibility to things without even knowing it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like that's what we're doing as a collective. We're collectively lending credibility to things where we 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 lend our credibility to it and then we turn around and then we pander to it and then we we are 
able to be let down by it. You know, like we want to be recognized by it. We give it all the power and then we're like a slave to it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's kind of crazy. And that's why this song, that's why I'm bringing this song into it, right? Because this song, I Gave You Power, you know, um, who get in the song, who gave whom power? Did the gun give the individual power? Or did the individual give the gun power? I say the gun gave the individual power, figuratively. Yeah, I guess it goes both ways. You're a deep guy, man. <laughs> You're a deep guy, man. But that book, man, go get that book, bro. It's a, it's a good read, man. I think I'm going to do that. Yeah, it's called Cast. And she got another book called Warmth of Other, Other Sons, which she won a Pulitzer Prize for, which that is actually about the Great Migration. Mm-hmm. Um, and I and it, it it's uh it's it a it's not it's well written it's well researched that's the other part, mm. like the 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 references the real historic references that tie into the idea, is the real is is the powerful piece of the book, mm. because it's it's not just ideas it's ideas with reference points, and historical facts mm-hmm. and and a, and a level of comprehending. The social construct that I think is is super powerful, man. Bro, we I was in a room on Clubhouse yesterday called White People Are Not Safe Here. I seen that title, but I ain't go in. Yeah, so I almost didn't I almost didn't go in. So when I went in there, there were like a group of people, a group of black people who convinced a group of white people to come into this room with them. And the white people are going to allow the black people to ask them anything. And they were going to be good sports about it. But right. it was um, Dante Ross was in there. And uh-huh. that's, why I went in, that's why I went in there, because that's my guy. You know what I'm saying? So mm. when I tell you, bro, it was the most enlightened I have been throughout this whole pandemic process. Like, they, wow. they were literally answering questions. Like, they were breaking shit down. And it was like so much clarity was being given and um, so much so much unity, so much synergy. You had a couple of dudes coming in saying stupid ass shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I got them to admit to racism in the music business. I got them to admit to everything. And it felt good. <laughs> it felt good. Yeah. You know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, but yeah. they just clarified a whole bunch of stuff. And then, um, you know, once dudes start like chiming in and asking stupid questions and it got goofy, I left. And then once I left... Um, there was a, a white guy named Jeremy who went into the room, and when he got in there, his perception of the room was there's black people in this room snatching white people, throwing them up on stage, and tearing them a new asshole. Why are they doing this? Why, why are they doing this? So he leaves out of the room. Well, and goes, I thought that was the premise of the room. Nah, but it was, it was like... When he, by the time he got in there, they probably were like crashing on him. You know what I mean? Like probably like got talking it, shit it, about him. It, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. So he thought the whole night, black people were just attacking white people in this room. So he goes and starts another room. Oh, so that's what we're doing now. We starting rooms called black people. White people ain't safe here. And it just was him as the moderator and a bunch of black people again. And him just arguing, <laughs> arguing. It was just like, man... He wouldn't let me on stage, man. If he would have let me on stage, I would have lit his ass up. He knew not to let me on stage. He do. He do. Yo, I, I, yo, I'm careful in them clubhouse rooms, man. I, you know, I me be too, real, man. Me, like, me, me too. Man. I just, I just, I just feel like, I just feel like, man, like 
we gotta, we gotta, we gotta continue to put things into perspective, man. This is why I love Dame Dash so much. I love Dame Dash. You know what I mean? Like, there's those moments where we have to remind people where they are. This is our culture. Mm -hmm. This is our culture. That's so you right. really don't have much of a reason to feel so entitled or to feel like that you are now the guy who's now gonna police the way that people speak to each other. Like, if, if these white people are cool with the way that these black people are talking, it's really none of your business because That's this right. is like a community with guidelines. If anybody goes outside of the guidelines, they'll get dealt with by the community. You're just in here with us. You know what I mean? Right. And it's like that energy right there. That energy right there. That's the energy we need when the, when, when the police are fucking killing us. Where's the energy at mm -hmm. when that's happening? Because he's like, it's just about right from wrong. Well, okay, well, yes. This is really affecting the world. This don't matter. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. Black this people and white people playing with each other, it's, that doesn't do anything to the world. Black people being killed by police and the police not being charged and you saying nothing, now we're talking about something. If you want to have that kind of talk, Mr. White Man. Or even bigger than that, black people accessing capital to start small businesses and yeah. get home loans and build wealth. You know what I mean? And these things that could actually, you know what I'm saying, change our economic footing so that, um, you know, so that we can put our kids through school mm -hmm. and, and build businesses, right? Like, that's some real shit that, you know, obviously that's some real complicated ass shit. It's not as simple as, yo, this, this police officer committed a crime. Why is he not being held accountable? But to me, it all ties together because the reason that police officer feels like they can do that to black folks is because they're... Black community and black bodies don't have value. Yeah, and they he know, and he knows that his pension and his money ain't nobody gonna come snatch it from him. And they pick and choose. They pick and they choose. Boy, do they pick and they choose? Because I tell you what, man, they know who to fuck with and not to fuck with. I'm a licensed gun carrier now. Who would have thought? Mm -hmm. I'm licensed right. to carry a gun. I ain't afraid of no police. You know that conversation is just completely different. You know, like they. Right. They're going to know when I tell them that I'm, that I'm armed. They're going to know that I'm a law-abiding citizen. They're going to know I don't have any warrants. They're going to know that I'm not whatever you prejudge me to be. And I'm not, you know, like I'm not whatever this is about to be, this is about to be. What, are you going to give me a ticket? You know what I mean? Like you're not going to talk to me crazy. You're not going to do any of those things that you do to these other motherfuckers. Right. You know what I'm saying? That's and right. I, I feel like that's the stance that needs to be taken, but there has to be steps taken to get right, get legit, get land, get ownership, get something that can't be taken away from you. That's mm -hmm. what it is. That's, that's the point of contention right there. The thing that's being dangled over your head that can be taken away or that perceived thing that you think that they're going to give you that can be taken away. It's coming to that point where you realize that nobody's going to save you. Nobody's going to give you anything. Nobody's going to give you anything. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? That's Royce to 5'9", ladies and gentlemen. This has been The Message right here on Apple Music One. Another uh, successful sit-down where we get to talk to your favorite people about their message, the words they want to convey, the things they want to be heard, and then we put a, an accompanying playlist right next to it in the service on Apple Music. Thank you, Royce, for your time today, man. Thank you for having me, great one. Always an honor and a privilege to speak to you, man. Man, it's a blessing as usual. We still here, baby. You know what I'm saying? We're going and I'm sure I'm sure you got a new album coming for us. I I I I hear you uh cooking up some things. I heard some rumblings for next fall. I'm not doing no album. 
Mm-hmm. I'm not doing no album. You see those lists? Those year-end lists? Motherfuckers don't deserve no album. <laughs> Wait. Listen to Freddie Gibbs if you want, a, you want an album. Go listen to Freddie Gibbs. Message. Don't push me. Call up close to the edge. An open dialogue about the voices of today and their experiences through music that inspires them.